This week on Breaking Bullying, even the strongest of us can come from the tragedy of being bullied. And this week, we talked to a very specific gentleman who in his youth suffered greatly, but overcame it. We're going to hit that music and we're going to get started. Along with my co-host, Tim, joining us this week is a man who has more belts than a leather factory warehouse. It is martial arts expert and founder of the Taibo system himself, Billy Blanks. Billy, thank you for joining us this afternoon. How are you? I'm awesome, man. I'm glad to be here and blessed to be here. Let me say that. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you guys. So, Billy, you've had much success of your life, but a lot of us don't know how hard it might have been for you as a child growing up or as a youth. Tell us what it was like growing up, where, where you came from. Well, I, I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, and uh, grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania. You know, we lived. I lived in the ghetto. I had 15 brothers and sisters, 10 brothers and five sisters. And, you know, I used to be a kid who was very shy. And, you know, when you're shy, you have a tendency to walk around like you have no authority, you know, and you're kind of timid and nervous and scared all the time. And I think because of that, that made people want to pick on me more, you know. So uh, every day after school, as soon as the bell would ring, I'd be the fastest one that can get out of school and try to get home as fast as I could. Because if I didn't, I knew I was going to get picked on and bullied, right? So I would just run home. And then it would get to a point where in my neighborhood, it was this guy, he was like 18 years old. You know, and he used to, he used to see me come running from school. And he used to come out of the, the front door and he used to pull out a switchblade. I'm going to kill you when I, you know, and I, it made me even more scared and nervous about walking around, you know, in, in our neighborhood because of that. And uh, I used to tell my mom and tell my dad and stuff. And, you know, my dad could never catch the guy, but my dad was always at work, right? But it, again, it was just me trying to find a place how, how I can escape and get home without being able to run into people who wanted to fight and bully. Was it always the same group of people? You know, it, was, it was always different groups of people because, you know, I was this kid that was, you know, I had a learning disorder. My learning disorder was dyslexia. And I think back in those days, nobody knew what dyslexia was. And even now, when you talk to some people about dyslexia, people, people, oh, uh, they had a big old thing. They went around, they asked people, hey, you know what dyslexia is? Some people did, some people, oh, yeah, I think it's in your ankle. Well, I think it's people, didn't, some people did, still don't even know what it is. But I had dyslexia, and because I had that, it made me really shy. I was the only brother out of all my brothers that wanted to play a sport, but couldn't play the sport because I was too scared. Because if I had to read something that had something to do with plays and things, then it would make me look like, make me feel like I was stupid and I, it just took my confidence away. At what age did your bullying start and how long did it last? My bullying started at first grade. So about seven. Yep, seven years old. And then from seven years old all the way to when I got into my first martial arts Taekwondo class when I was 13 years old. Wow. When I got into my martial arts class, that's when it started to slow down a little bit. I still got it. And I got, got it from older kids because I was a pretty big kid at, at 13 years old. I was close to six feet, you know, and uh, I, I was just a kid that was shy. I wouldn't say when people say something to me, I would go, yes, yes, sir. And, you know, it's kind of bob my head and stuff like that. And so I think I looked like a victim. You know, I was a kid that people go, oh, that's the easy one. Go ahead and just bully him. Because of being shy, being quiet, right. having right. dyslexia, which also would probably affect your schoolwork. It definitely affected my schoolwork. It made me, you know, I had to go to special education, you know, and then being being able to go to a special education class, 
That marks you. Right. And in those days, you had to get on the yellow bus, right? When you got on the yellow bus, the kids would see you. And then that was it. I was on a bus with kids who had who were handicapped. Uh, some kids were uh, mentally handicapped as well as physically handicapped. So then everybody mixed me in with that group. And so I was like nervous about getting on the bus. I didn't wouldn't get on the bus. I would run to school. You know, I would walk to school, even though our school was like my, two miles away from my house. I would walk. So, Billy, you refused to ride that yellow bus, correct? Or did you have to go on it a few times? No, I refused to ride it. I didn't go on it. Okay. And at that time, I could because I was old enough to be able to know directions. And so I didn't have to ride it. Would you say that bullying was rampant within your neighborhood? Yeah, it was rampant, you know, because I lived in the streets, ghetto, right? Because living in the ghetto, you got all kind of kids who wants to be the boss, right? And who wants to. And I think that's why a lot of gangs started because of that. Kids did not want to walk home by themselves. So they would go join a gang, you know, and then there you got your protection. You know, I had 15 brothers and sisters, but each one of us had our own direction that we were going in. And most of my brothers played after school sports. If they saw anything happen, they would all always come over and try to, you know, break something up or get in, get involved with it. Right. But I was a kid that people caught by himself a lot because I was a shy kid. So I really didn't hang out with too many people. I was always by myself. And I think when you by yourself, that's a, that's another victim thing, right? Where people go, well, you know, nobody likes him. He's a shy kid. Uh, look at him. He walks around with his head down all the time. So that was, I was a person that people say, you know, let's go after him. Did you ever get into any fights? Yeah, I got into fights. I definitely got into fights. And, and you know, because I was pretty big and strong, you know, I didn't like to fight. But if I, if I did fight, you know, I, people got hurt, right? But me, I, I would beat up a kid and go home and cry because I had to beat somebody up, right? Go home and talk to my mom and dad. Hey, mom, you know, I had to fight and I had to hurt somebody. But then my mom and dad would talk to me and tell me, you know, Billy, if you don't protect yourself, what do you think will happen to you? And so, you know, I just had to keep fighting, keep fighting and, and hope that I can get home safe. My, my thing was I hated to fight, didn't like to fight. I even had to fight with my best friend one day because he was bullying, you know, bullying me. And uh, I just had to say, OK, I'm tired of it. We got to fight. So we ended up fighting and then I ended up crying because I had to beat up, had to beat up my friend, you know. And even though you fought back, that didn't stop them from bullying you. No, no, because living I think living in the streets is a, is a way that kids made a pathway. And even though I would beat up kids and I would get beat up too, it's still, it was a challenge. You know, nobody had guns back in those days. Nobody, everybody did deal with their fists, you know, and they deal with what's, what came out of their mouth. And then it got to a point where, you know, when I got a little bit older, my brother became, you know, top athlete. And then he also became you know, well-known street fighter. And because he became a well-known street fighter, when kids got in fights, you know, you know how, uh, what's the guy named he used to do the fighting on the ring? Kimbo Slice. Yeah, it was Kimbo Slice. Well, my brother Joe was a street fighter in back in the neighborhood. My father caught him running home. We both were coming home from school and my father saw both of us running, but I was running because I wanted to get home fast. My brother was running because he was running from a kid. And my father saw him, the kid he was running from was living next door. And he was bullying my brother. My brother, we we were always taught not to mess with people, you know, just be good kids. You know, my father always taught us that we had to fight for ourselves, but no bullying, no, none of that stuff. So my brother would just, because he didn't want to hurt people, he'd run home too. He was, he was my older brother. He was like 6'2 and pretty big for his size, right? But he was still, you know, kind of cowering about fighting back. 
And then my father caught him. And my father caught him. He said, well, you got to go back outside. If you don't go back outside and fight that kid, you're going to be running home all the time. And then that's what I learned. You know, I can't be running anymore. My, my father did that to my brother. I'm going to have to stand up for myself. That's when things started to stop. And was that how your bullying ended? My bullying ended because of my, my brother's reputation. But then when I got involved with karate, everything stopped. What was the reason for joining karate? My reason for joining karate is because I wanted to be disciplined and focused. I, I, you know, I got into boxing first. And when I got into boxing, all the boxer trainer was telling me, Billy, as soon as you see red, you got to act like a shark. You got to go after it. But then I saw Cato on Bruce Lee on TV, the Green Hornet. And then when I saw Bruce Lee in the Green Hornet, I saw how much focus and discipline he had. And I knew in my neighborhood, it wasn't about me learning how to fight because I can always get in a street fight, right? So I learned how to physically take care of myself. My goal was to learn discipline and focus. And I saw the discipline and focus Bruce Lee had with his body. So I wanted to be able to be a kid who had that focus and discipline. Plus, I wanted to be able to be different than other kids because I didn't have, I didn't grow up good in school. My schooling was not that great. So I started to look at the control that Bruce Lee had of his mind and body together as one. I said, man, I want to be able to do that because I want to be able to help people one day. And so when they built the youth center, got a chance to go to the Martin Luther King Center and go through that karate class. And when I got involved with that karate class, man, I got a chance to see out of my own eyes that I could be successful. Were you hooked from day one? I was hooked from day one. I was hooked from day one, because, and but I, it, it was hard for me too. I have dyslexia and it, my instructor had to kind of do a lot of stuff with me. But he said, Billy, if you want to take karate, I can't spend that much time with you because then I can't spend time with the other students. He just said, hey, just go in the back and do your best to try to follow along. So I did. I did that for years. I started at 11. When I turned 13, that's when my martial arts started to click. You know, I'm glad your instructor at that time did that for you because I feel like nowadays there's some martial arts schools where they would get a kid with a little confidence. They have learning disabilities or issues. They'll just come off to the side and say, sorry, you can't come here. We're not a good school for you. Yeah, he didn't do that. My instructor had just came home from the Vietnam War. And uh, when we first went down there, I went down there with five guys from the gang, right? And uh, they said, what are you guys here for? We want to take karate, this karate program. And when the instructor asked that question, I wanted to raise my hand. I said, man, I want to take it. But I couldn't do it because the gang members didn't, thought it was, that's for girls. Boys don't take that kind of stuff. And so we left. And when we left, I went toward my house. They went toward their house. And when they got far away enough where they couldn't see me, I turned around and went back. And I went over and, and I stood in front of the door and the karate instructor, was, it was a black gentleman and a Korean gentleman. They were standing there. Then they looked over and saw me. They said, come on in. I, just, I walked in. They said, you want to take karate? I'll see you back. I said, yeah, I want to take karate. And they says, okay. And the guy said to me, I bet you $5 that you won't stick it out. That's what he said to me. I bet you $5 you won't stick it out. And that right there was the hook for me. I said, now here's another person saying that I would never be successful. Watch, I'm going to show you. And up until this day, He's doing a little bit of martial arts, and he's like a fifth-degree black belt, and I'm a ninth-degree black belt. I've been studying martial arts for now almost 50 years, right? I said, and I'm still in it. He's out of it. And I always talk to my instructor, the first one who taught me, because he was the one who opened up the door for me, and I always give him a lot of credit for helping me out and giving me the strength and power to be able to have that confidence to be able to do whatever I wanted to do in my life. And uh, it changed my whole life, man. Billy, why do people associate martial arts as a good activity for their kids to build confidence? I think a lot has to do with the instructors. Most instructors that study martial arts know that martial arts is a focus tool, and it's a tool that helps build up self-confidence. It doesn't teach you how to become a bully. It teaches you how to become a person, a child, and have some self-awareness on how to help yourself be a better 
person in life. And then through that, all of a sudden you start to learn about how to protect yourself. You start to learn that it's not about getting out there, punching and kicking anybody. It's about having so much self-control. That, that's why I like martial arts. And that's why I like to love to see kids. Hard work pays off, discipline pays off, focus pays off. And teachers, martial art teachers, teach that in the studios. You know, when you walk into a studio, first thing a teacher wants to see, how much discipline you have, how much respect you have, how much honor you have for the place you, you taught how to bow. I mean, I, why would you bow when you walk into a studio? You know, why would you, why do you take off your shoe? Things like that. I think because I was going through all that kind of stuff, it started to teach me a lot of self-respect about myself and honor. And then once I learned honor, I was like, wow, this is, this is great. I, mean, I, I want to keep doing it. And then once I got my black belt, you know, when, you, when they tie black belts around your waist, that means you you have achieved a lot of stuff. My teacher always told me, Billy, when you get your black belt, now you're telling me that now you're ready to start learning. All that other stuff is just preparation up until the time. But you got a black belt, now you now you understand, you, you understand the discipline, the focus factor of it. Now, let's see where you can go with it. Mm, yeah, that's just stuck me to a different level. I, I follow you on Instagram, and a while back you posted a video. You're, you're talking about one of your students. He didn't want to do martial arts that day. Mm -hmm. He didn't feel like he didn't want to do it. But you gave him this little confidence speech. And then when he did martial arts at the end of class, you're saying how his mindset totally changed that day. Right. Like you got to change his negative mindset within, you know, 45 minutes. Right. I just think when you, you, you know, when you're talking to kids, you know, I have to tell them. I, I have to be honest with the kids because this, for me, this is the hardest generation that I ever taught to teach martial arts. I've taught in five generations, you know, but this one is the hardest because it's so much social media. Kids don't, they don't communicate anymore. If they do communicate, it's by phone. Even if they stand in next to each other, they'll text each other, even if they stand in next to each other. Where back in the days when I was coming up, we didn't have any of that stuff. So you had to learn how to communicate. You had to learn a lot about the person who's standing next to you. And so when teaching now, it's tough. I think it's tough, tougher than ever because kids don't understand discipline. Correct. They understand focus. And basic communication. Right. As a teacher, how do you overcome that? How do you how do you bridge that gap when you're effectively speaking two different languages? Well, I just think, you know, I said I always say I know how you like the social media. You know, I said I didn't know anything about social media. But because of you young youth, you teaching me how to use my phone, how to take my discipline and focus and take it to the phone and take it to the computer to help other people throughout the world. You know, at first we didn't be, I couldn't do that. Now I can get on the phone or get on the computer and I can teach 50 people in all different countries. And I learned that by watching, you know, today's people, you know? And I, when you start talking to kids about how, what they have and how you can enhance it to make you become better, then they go, oh, I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about think of it like that. I just thought about it, me being cool, me being doing this and me being doing that. Now I'm gonna think about it as being able to help myself become a better person. And I think when you start showing kids that that can give them power and empower them to become better at what you do, at what they do, then they they change. And that's what happened to that kid. Yeah. He got a chance to see out of his own eyes. If he just focused for one minute, he would do, look how much better you got. Just in that time that I told you to go ahead and do what you needed to do. So you have a lot of good skills. What are you gonna do? Let it go to waste? I mean, I, nobody can make you do it. I can't make you do it now. And I told him I was honest. I with him, and and I talked to him. I think when you look into another child's eyes and you talk to the heart of the person, they see that you want them to be better. 
But when you talk at them and you're not looking into the heart of the person, then they just oh, you just like everybody else. But when you sit down, and you talk. I went to I went into a school where there was 64 of the worst kids in L.A., and they could not get these kids to be quiet. They couldn't get them to because their principal wanted to introduce me to the kids, but they could not get these kids to quiet down to do anything. So I said, hey, wait, wait a minute for one second. So I, I said, let me walk in. And so I walked in, and the kids still weren't quiet, right? They were still wouldn't get down. So you know what I did? I said, hold on. Let me walk back out. So I walked back out, and I grabbed two chairs. And I walked back in, and I put one foot on the chair, and the other foot on the chair, and I did a split on the chair. And the whole room got quiet. I grabbed their attention. And as soon as I grabbed their attention, I sat on the chair with the microphone, and I was talking to them. I said, hey, I want to talk to you guys. I grew up in a family of 15 brothers and sisters. When you want to get something, I know how hard it is to struggle. And I said, having dyslexia, how hard, hard it is to have, not have confidence in yourself. I know all about that. Let's sit down. Let's talk a little bit about how we can make ourselves be better. That whole place, the principal said, that's the first time that place was that quiet. And we all talked. And then the kids asked, they asked if I would come back and teach. So I came back and I taught two times a week. It was called the Jefferson Program. And uh, it was a juvenile program for kids, you know. So I just I went back and taught two times a week. And them kids start growing and they start, they start understanding that they have the authority and power to make a change in their life. I think when you can show a child that they have the authority to make a change in their life, they'll do it, especially if they can start seeing things happen physically, because most young people need to see physically things change. I would like to take a moment and circle this back into bullying while addressing you as a teacher, Billy. Yeah. I am sure that throughout your career as an instructor, you have encountered and had to deal with children who are themselves suffering from varying degrees of bullying, either from light to really, really serious and heavy. How do you handle those situations? Like my daughter, my daughter, she's a prime example. She's, she's a third degree black belt. She gets bullied every day she go to school. Why? One is because she's quiet and she's shy. She's big, she's six, almost 6'1". Six You've seen her. I've seen her, she is. She's just quiet, you know, she don't, you know, she's not loud. And, and kids see that because she's quiet. Very good piano player on top of that. I just want to put that out there. Yeah. Because she deserves recognition for that. She's a good martial artist. I don't even like the whole pass for her because she can kick real hard, right? And, but I always tell her that don't, you, when it gets to a point where you have to start physically putting your hands on people, that's not going to be good because you're either going to hurt somebody or they're going to hurt you or you're going to get in trouble and you're not going to be able to do anything. So I always say the best thing to do is have the con have the self-confidence to be able to go to the principal, go to the teacher and talk. And so she started going to the teacher and she started talking to the principal, saying, listen, I'm a, I'm a third degree black belt in Taekwondo. I know how to protect myself. My dad has taught me ever since I was two years old. And if you want me to protect myself, I will. But I'm coming to you now to get you to stop these people. What happened is my wife went to school and the girl who was bullying my, my daughter is at least two feet taller than her, but she just didn't want to put her hands on it. She want she's nice. My my daughter wants to love people. You know, she's taught to not to be violent, but to be as love love as person as much as you can. And every day I have to talk to her and build her confidence up because you know kids you know walk up to you and you're ugly and you this and you that. I don't like your hair. Their hair is different. You know, they say all kinds of things to her. And my thing is say, Angelica, the most important thing about what you have to do, you have to believe that there's something bigger than everything out there. And my thing for her was God. And I said, hey, you got to go to God. And when you go to God, let's have the peace within yourself that no matter what people say to you, have that peace enough to be able to have the calmness to keep yourself in the right place. And sooner or later, those kids who did that to you 
will start to turn around. So then, you know what happened? We, did, we went and did a martial arts demonstration at a school. And when the kids saw her do her martial arts, they were like, oh my God, I didn't know that. And then they, when they saw me, they didn't know I was her father. And that helped out a lot. It started changing things for her at school. That's how my bullying ended for me. I had to do a martial arts demonstration in my high school. Mm. And once they saw me spar, break boards, do form, that was the end of it. Stopped. Same thing for me, 16 yep. years old. I went to the school and broke some boards. I broke some boards and I jumped up. And back in those days, I was a pretty good jumper. I could kick a basketball hoop. I put a, a balloon inside the basketball hoop and I jumped up and busted, you know, I busted the balloon. And I did a self-defense demonstration with 10-man attack, 10, 10 men coming at me. You know, even though it was, it was choreography, the kids saw it. And then when I broke, I, at that time, you know, at the time I was young, I was, you know, 16, 17 years old. I broke three bricks with a with a, a hammer fist and I kicked two bricks with a jump, blind spin and back kick. And that right there, I became like a hero. <laughs> you know, everybody left me alone. I think that best advice you gave your daughter was to remain calm because a lot of times bullies, they want to get that reaction from you just so they have a reason to hit you. Right. And the fact that she didn't do that, they got bored. Yes. But serious, up until last year, she was getting bullied every day. Every day. And then my wife wanted to go to school. And then I said, uh, she wanted me to go to school and talk to the talk to the kid, right? I said, Tomiko, I can't go to school and talk to that kid. I get in trouble, right? And then I said, you can't do it either. But one day she got out of the car and my daughter said, Mom, that's the girl right there. And so she walked right up to the girl and started talking to the girl. And I had to go get her and say, listen, you can never do that again because you get in trouble. But she went up and she spoke. And then the father of the girl came and uh, she talked to the, the father. And the father was so upset because he thought his daughter was perfect. When he found out that she was bullying kids in school, not just my daughter, she was bullying a lot of kids in school. He was totally upset. And so he, she got in a lot of trouble and uh, he, he fixed it. Kudos to that girl's father for doing that because a lot of parents seem to, when you say, hey, your kid is bullying mine, will then get defensive because their kid is perfect. And of course their kid didn't do that. And your kid is just being hypersensitive or something along those lines. The fact that he took responsibility and disciplined his child is a big thing, and that deserves recognition. Yeah, and you know why he did it, though? I think the same thing happened to him. He got bullied. For him to think that his daughter was a bully, I think it, it really bothered him. Yeah, I mean, as the only person on this call without children, if I did have children and I found out that my child bullied somebody, I would be very upset because when you are bullied as a child, no matter how what it does to you, how you get past it, or what it does to you, it still remains with you. It's still part of the building blocks that make you. And it's one of the more unpleasant building blocks that are in your makeup. Mm -hmm. So very much, you wouldn't want your child to be doing that. That would be problematic for you as a formerly bullied child. Again, kudos to this gentleman. Yeah, he, he, he was awesome. And it stopped. It stopped. It stopped. But I do want to engage you more because in this circumstance with your daughter, your primary relationship with your daughter is one of father. Mm -hmm. And that's a little bit different than a kid who comes in who has issues that you now are trying to address. Because it's not also addressing the child, it's addressing the parent. Mm -hmm. When you see a child who is clearly being bullied or comes up to you and tells you that they're being bullied, how do you address that when it's not your own child? 
Well, one is that you got you to gotta help build self-confidence. You know, and I think through martial arts, if you get a, get a child that's, that comes into a studio, most of them are very shy. Most of them are very timid. So the goal is to be able to get them to do something they never thought they could do. And all of a sudden, they see out of their own, oh, see, I told you, what happens when you do that? And they go, whoa, you're right. And all of a sudden, you start to see that, you start to see them rise up. And when you start to see them rise up, you still keep feeding them stuff that's going to help build their self-confidence. And when you start to help build a child's self-confidence, doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl, all of a sudden, you start to see them grow. And that not that's just not kids, right? We're talking about adults, too. We're talking about people up in the age that still get bullied, right? And so my thing is, again, you're giving them a chance to see success. When you give a child a chance to see physical, mental success, their confidence starts to get big. And it could be something easy. It could be like just two jumping jacks. It could be something like squats. It could be something simple and easy. But it, it was hard to them. But it's to us, it was like, oh, that's pretty easy to do. But to them, it might be a milestone, right? But they do it and they go, wow, I didn't think I could do that. Then what happens if you do more? And then all of a sudden, they start to see more things happen. And when you start giving them a chance to see life grow from, from what they're doing, then it changes their confidence. It changes their attitude. It makes them feel like they can overcome obstacles. And then, you know, when you as a martial arts teacher, Tim, I know you do this, these kind of things too. Yep. You give students a chance to take charge. They go, Ooh, I'm, I'm teaching five, five other kids. That, and then all of a sudden, they start to see a confidence builder. You know, so as, as an instructor, you've got to just find things that make the child tick. And then you go after it and then you show them how it makes them stronger and build and builds their confidence. One thing I've noticed as an instructor with building confidence, it doesn't happen with the first one or two classes. Mm -hmm. And I've had students where the parents would tell me, well, they don't want to do it anymore. And the parents agree with that child and they just, and they just give up. I'm at loss for words. I'm like, well, you told me you want your child to build confidence. And of course, he doesn't want to do it. You know, big classes, he's kind of scared or she's kind of scared, whoever. But the parents buy into it. What could I say to those parents to keep their kid to keep coming to class? Because it's not a quick fix for, for, for some kids. Right. It's never a quick fix for any kid. I think in, in, any kid, it doesn't matter if they're shy or not shy or being bullied or not being bullied. I think martial arts is, a, especially now for kids of these days, is tough because they have to physically, mentally work hard to be good at it. You know, because martial arts is not an easy thing. So I think you have to find, find a way to talk to him. Like I have a boy right now, he's 14 years old, young man, 14 years old. He gets bullied all the time in school. He's the second down in black, he's second down black belt. And I tell him all the time, I say, listen, you can either come in the studio and give it your best, or you can come in the studio and give it your worst. But just remember, who has the power to do both sides? You do. And because you have the power to do both sides, then you can make a decision. If you want to quit, you quit. Like that one kid, the one that you heard me talking to that day. Yep. I told him right now. I said, you think, I said, hold you. I'm 60 some years old. You think I'm going to play with you? No, I ain't got time to play with you. If you don't want to take martial arts, go over there and tell your dad. And if he don't want to bring you back, he don't have to bring you back. Because I don't got time to teach people who don't. I have to be honest and be truthful to a, a child. And I said, and I tell the parent, if you allow a child to let them direct you in how they're going to run their life, then you got you better worry. Because if they don't want to do things and you, you allow them to quit, then it's up to you. And I said, the word that you should quit teaching your child, this is, I really believe this, 
The word that most people should quit teaching their kids is try. Try. Okay, if I don't do this, we go try something else. If I don't do this, we go try something else. That's a fail. That's a way to fail. I mean, I, I learned how to take try to my life 40 years ago. I don't try to do anything. I do. And the goal is to teach kids to do, not try, because try has no power. I want to circle back a little bit here, Billy. You made a very good point. If you let your child start dictating their life, they have a problem. That's 100% true because I feel like we have this new age parents where as parents, the father and mother or whatever, everybody's busy. The kid doesn't want to do something, whatever. We, it's easy to give up on something. Mm -hmm. How much responsibility is it for the parent to see that child continue on with their first goal that they said they were going to start with? And then two weeks later, they, they now say that they want to quit. I could be mistaken, but I think what you're asking is in this day of helicopter parents mm -hmm. where everything is built towards the want of the child, how do you cope with dealing with parents who at the first sign of discomfort of their children allow them to just quit or move on that the child is dictating the pace of the upbringing? I said again, I think the most important thing I don't care if the child's an athlete or non-athlete, just life in generally, when you say, let's try to do this, then you give them a leeway out. When you say, let's try, if it doesn't work, we'll go do something else. If that don't work, we'll go do something else. And it's always that, you know, I hear parents say it all the time to their kids. Okay, we'll go try to do this. Okay, we'll go try to do this. I said, hey, and I, and I tell, I talk to my parents honestly, I said, listen, that boy is only five years old. He's telling you what he wants to do. You're going to allow him to do that right now. And if you allow him to do that, then you're going to allow him to be able to dictate whatever he wants to do with, him, with his life. Right now, martial arts is what? Martial arts is a discipline for a child. If you can get your son or your daughter to come to this martial arts class and do it once a week, I don't care if they come once a week. They don't have to come twice a week, but just once a week. In the midst of them coming once a week, that's going to teach him a whole lot about himself. And they're going to learn the discipline factor. And then it becomes instinctive. Even though they don't want to be there, when something becomes instinctive, they have it inside of them. When they need it and they need to pull it out, it will come out. But if you say, okay, no, okay, you don't like it? Okay, let's go do something else. Then you're teaching me how to fail. You're teaching me how to quit. You're teaching me how to give up. I don't want my daughter to give up in life. I want my daughter to fight for what she needs to fight for. And sometimes, you know, every child, don't they don't want to go to a martial arts studio because it's hard work. It's discipline and it's hard work and it's stuff that they don't feel like they can get good gains out of it all the time. And then, too, if you if a child gets a black belt at a young age, then what is a black belt at an older age? I say, well, if you teach them that, yeah, you're getting your junior black belt, all this doing is preparing you for your later years. It's like going to school. You go to first grade from kindergarten to fifth grade to sixth grade. Then you go to middle school. Once you get in middle school, that's a whole different attitude. And once you get out of middle school and go into high school, that's a whole different attitude. And then you go to college if you want to, and that's a whole different attitude. Well, that's the way martial arts is. You got to go through all these different stages so you can learn a lot about yourself as a, as a martial artist. And then I say, you know what it is too? It's like, can you imagine? If I take a child your age and put y'all both beside each other, I tell a parent this, this child is doing martial arts, this, this child is not doing martial arts. This child, what does martial arts teach? Discipline. So this child is starting to understand the discipline factor of life at a young age. I said, then he becomes, that person becomes like a superhero. If you put a kid next to him, that child becomes a superhero. So when they can see that, you know, it's like Clark Kent, you never see him as Superman until something bad happens. 
Well, that's the same thing, same way should happen to a child. I said, look, you, you got so much knowledge and wisdom and understanding that even in doing your homework, that homework could be your opponent, right? And it makes you want to quit and give up. But if you put on that martial arts attitude and that discipline attitude, it's going to make you overpower the homework and then end up becoming the champion and winning over your homework, winning over everything that happens to you. So I just, I just try to make it look look like what they like. Yeah. If you, try to, if, you, if you give martial arts kids a chance to see that whatever you like, I can make martial arts geared toward that. Martial arts can be geared toward whatever you, whatever you like. And you teach them. And I teach kids that, I, I teach kids that way. So, Billy, if you were to give advice to a younger you, what would that be? Well, one thing is I, I would like to say this to kids. I would say, what is the most powerful thing in the world? I like to always ask that question. What is the most powerful thing in the world? And what would you say? If somebody asked you that question at a young age or even at the age that you are now, what is the most powerful thing in the world? What would you say? At a young age, I would say like back in my day, He-Man. He-Man. That's the most powerful thing in the world. Okay? That's what I would have said. Okay. What would you say, Bruce? Uh, Back then, if I'm going to be honest, I don't know what I would have said back then. But right now... I would say the most powerful thing in my world and what shapes the world for me is my perception of myself in the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, you wanted, you wanted my thought today, yeah. most powerful thing in the yeah. world. Oh, I'm sorry. The most powerful thing in the world to me, you know, well, it's, it's two parts. You know, it's, it'll be my faith in God because mm-hmm. I've been bullied to a point. I said this back in my old, in my old recording my, a few weeks ago on, my, on one of the podcasts. Maybe I didn't get too far deep to it, but I thought about committing suicide because I was bullied so much. I had this wild dream vision, and it was basically God showing me what's going to happen if I if I stay alive. So that's what kept me alive. So ever since then, yeah, you know, that's the most powerful thing for me. This is what I say to kids. I say, I say what is the most powerful thing in the world? And I ask that question because I want to know what they say, what they think. And then you ask them this question. You say. If you walk over to your parents and say, Mom, what's the most powerful tool you have? And they ask that question. And I, I, ask the, I ask the parents sometimes, too, what's the most powerful tool you have? So I tell the kids, the most powerful thing in the world to me is words. Words, thoughts, ideas, and suggestions do what? I don't care how old you are. You can be three years old and be 70 years old. Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions do what? They pop up in your head. What you do with those thoughts and ideas and suggestions is what's going to make your life either go up or backwards. Think about it. You got. You can. You have. You have this. I always tell people. Say this. Say. Say this out loud. I. 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 Together, Tim. Yeah. Say it. Say I. One, two, three. I. 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 Look, look. Look. And act. And, and act. act. Just like my mind and will. Just, just like, like my, my mind, mind and, and will. will. That's a powerful statement. I look and act just like my mind and will. So I say, kids, say that out loud. I look and act just like my mind and will. Now say this out loud. I, I look, 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 and act, and, and act, just like my body, just, just like, like my, my body. body. That's how most people are. That's why they give up. They look in the mirror, they look like what they see. They look at a scale, they look like what they see. They get this, they get depressed. They look like what they see and feel. So always tell kids, that's what happens. You get up in the morning, you look like what, how you feel. You look like what you see in the mirror, but you have a mind, you have a will. And with that mind and will, you can do what with it? You can either quit or you can give up. That's how much power you have. You have the power to quit 
and you have the power to get uh, to go on. Which one are you going to use? You can use it anyway. Even if you're a five-year-old child, you can. your mother can tell you, get up out of that chair. You can will yourself, I ain't getting up out of the chair. I'm going to sit here. That's how much power you have. Now, can you imagine if you took that power and you turned it around? Where do you think your life would go? And think about what comes out of your mouth. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. I always tell people, say this, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will get the fruit of it. And why do I use the word fruit? Why, why did God use that word fruit? God used that, that term. Death and life is in the power of your tongue, Billy. If you love it, you get the fruit of both of them. So I always tell people, take life out and use the word. Death is in the power of the tongue. What I say out of my mouth is going to come to life. I don't care what anybody say. Whatever they say out of their mouth is going to come to life. If I get up every day and I go like this, I don't feel good. That's too hard for me. And I do it every day. What am I doing? What happens when you water a plant? It grows. It, it drowns. If you water it too much, what happens to it? It drowns. What happens to a plant when you don't water it? It dies. What happens to your life when you, when you get up every day and you water it with bad words? You drown it. Because every day I get up, I'm watering with this. That's too hard. You're reinforcing the negative aspects. And people don't understand that. Kids don't understand. Every day they get up, mom, that's too hard for me. I never better do that. Mom, that, oh, you know, son, you're right. That is too hard for you. Let's go try this. So we, and they, they keep saying that kind of stuff to them, to, the, to themselves. But when it, when a child, when you can set a child down and say this, say, hey, look, hey, I look and act like my mind and will. You know how powerful that is? You look and act like your mind and will. That means I can will myself to do anything. I can will myself to quit. I can will myself to go on. With that, what else can I do in my life if I truly wanted to? I can will myself to listen to hard-haired kids. I can will myself to listen to bad kids. And what do you think will happen to my life? It's going to happen like what they say. And I always tell a child, I say, listen, what happens when you have a puppy and you take it around a dog? Your puppy don't have fleas, but that other dog has fleas. What happens when you take it around them? Fleas jump off of that and jump on them. What do you think happening to your life? Same thing happens. You can either will yourself to be what you want to be, or you can will yourself not to be. Or you can will yourself to be what other people want you to be. Can you imagine walking in other people's lives and somebody tell you how you should live your life and how you, and you could do that yourself? I just think that when you give kids information, you give them strength and power, they can build off of it. Yeah, I, I love that speech for one. I hear kids say it all the time in my classes too. And when you tell them that, hey, when you say it, your mind's going to believe it. They're like, no, uh, I'm like, dude, Yes, it is. You cannot say that. Or if you say you can't do that, just add the word yet behind it. Changes the whole statement. Right right away. And what happens when you hear a song? When the kids hear a song, what do they do? They moth it off. Da, 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 da. And then just look at you. You're singing a song. You probably don't even realize you're singing because you heard it so much. You're singing stuff like this. F this, F that, F this, F that, F this, F that. They stay hearing things like that and they singing stuff and then they reacting off of what they see. And what they hear, it, it happens. Oh yeah, repetition will burn things into your brain, be it the stuff you say about yourself, the music you hear, the opinions you carry. As you said, if you say about yourself, I'm not worthy, you say that a couple times, that is what your brain is going to believe. You are programming yourself to believe you're not worthy. And you can program yourself to basically believe whatever you wanna believe about yourself by saying it to yourself. And that is a very important point. And then look what happens. And then confirmation comes to what you already thinking. Your friend goes, you know what? You're right. You, you're right. You can't do that. That's confirmation already. And what happens to kids when they get confirmation? They quit. 
Billy, I want to thank you again for coming on our program. If people wanted to follow you, where can they do that? Oh, uh, they can go to TaiboNation.com and they can get me there right away. You know, that tell they'll tell you where I am in the world. It'll tell you what I'm doing from one day to the next. So go to TaiboNation.com or go to Billy Blank's Instagram and uh, Billy Official. And I see every now and then you host some online Taibo workouts too, right? On Zoom? Yeah, you know, they can go on Zoom or they can go on uh, the YouTube channel and subscribe to the channel and they can get, get me there 24-7. Again, thank you. Thank you so much, Billy. Thank you, guys, man. This is awesome. Thank you. I mean, I, I think kids are going to love it. Something that we all need, you know? And as for us, you can find us either at our website, www.breakingbullying.com, or you can email us with any questions, concern, or your own story about bullying at breakbullyinghere at gmail.com. And if you are being bullied, if you are having issues, or if you know somebody who's being bullied, there are online resources to help. The first of which is the government's own anti-bullying website. And that website is www.stopbullying.gov. Another good resource is www.pacer.com backslash bullying. And if you're having feelings of self-harm and dark thoughts, please reach out to the National Suicide Hotline at 988. I'm Tim Flynn for Bruce Knoxon. Thank you for listening and join us next week as we continue this conversation to break the silence on bullying.